Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Head to iTunes or Google Podcasts and leave us five stars. Bonus points if you add a warm and fuzzy comment. I would appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes when they drop. Afrotech 2019, Oakland, California. Angelica Nwandu is the founder and CEO at The Shade Room and is on the main stage talking with then Blavity Editor-in-Chief Lily Workner about how she grew The Shade Room Instagram account to 10,000 followers in just one week and how creators, entrepreneurs, and marketers can effectively grow their audience on the platform. Any tips that you may have for people who are on Instagram? Everybody, who has Instagram in the room? I mean, yes, mm-hmm. pretty much everybody. So, and a lot of us are using it to grow our brand. So like, you know, considering that the Shade Room has maximized its reach so massively in just five years, right? And you were able to come on the gram and gain 10,000 followers in a week. How can people, what's some, what are some quick tips that you have in terms of creating content specifically for IG or for social media to help your business grow? Building a demand for people to actually come to the page, right? Yes. And not relying on the algorithm, uh, getting people to actually come visit you. What are some other quick tips that you may have? You have to be consistent. Um, consistent. The Shade Room posts almost 70 times a day, which is big. 70? Yeah, well, like 40 to 70 times a day. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, how many people do you have on staff? Who's... Uh, well, the I'm whole like, who's posting this stuff? <laughs> How many people? Well, we have like about now we have about like ten writers on staff, and so wow. like they'll just you know they they work full time, but the whole company is twenty people, so it's very. I mean, well, we're hiring aggressively right now, so like I said, hiring. Um, see, um, and really, what it is is about um, a lot of people think that you cast a wide net. Like, you know when you go fishing, mm-hmm. some, it's, it's counterintuitive business a little bit because 
when you go fishing, you want to catch a wide net to get all the fish you could possibly get. And that's how people treat business. Like, how can I reach everybody? How can I get everybody? And what I would say is, it's the exact opposite in business. You want to cast a very specific net to get a specific kind of fish. Mm -hmm. And then once you get that fish, everybody else is going to want to come in. Like, if you look at Instagram, Instagram was first for, like, photographers. Mm -hmm. And then everybody wanted to get on. Mm -hmm. Facebook was for college kids, and everybody wanted to get on. And so I would say find a niche audience and find out what they don't have. Give them what they don't have and keep focusing on them. Don't change your strategy, because I know everybody was like, uh, take the shade woman, make it more uh, mainstream. You know, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the word for white. You know what I mean? Um, and so, <laughs> but I was like, nah, I like black culture. This, these are my people. We gonna keep focusing on this. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Lori Swank is a serial entrepreneur, celebrity fashion stylist, author, and is the founder and CEO at Swank Blue, an online fashion shop and lifestyle brand. A former pre-med student, Olori got her big break when she wasn't even looking for it. As dedicated as she was to breaking into the health sciences, I asked Olori about how you can prepare your whole life for success in a specific direction, but the path that is in front of you can lead you to things you didn't even imagine. So, I mean, to give a little bit of backstory, I did want to be a neurosurgeon. Like from the age of two, I was always telling everybody, I'm gonna be a doctor, I'm gonna be a doctor. Like school was always my thing. I loved science, biology, anatomy. Like I was just a really, really big nerd. And the other thing about me though, was that I was always really fashionable. And so even in college, I remember certain times getting kicked out of chemistry labs because I had on the wrong shoes that day because I would always wear high heels to school and I would forget, oh, I got lab today. Like I didn't bring closed toe sneakers. And so I would have to run back to my apartment, get sneakers, come all the way back to campus and still have enough time to complete the experiment before the time was up in the lab. So fashion had always been a thing for me. I just didn't know that you could make a career out of it. And so when I graduated from undergrad, I told myself, you know what, I'm gonna take a year off because I've spent the last four years going to school all year round. Like every summer I was in class, like I was trying to get multiple degrees in a four year span. So anytime the school was open, I was there taking a class. And when I graduated, I said, you know what? I wanna see what it's like for people to take a break. Like, I don't know what a summer feels like. Like, so I'm just gonna take a year off before I go to med school. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna do my thing. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna work, I'm, I'm just gonna hang out. And in hanging out, I didn't realize at the time that what I was doing was networking. Cause you know, you always think networking has to be this formal thing and yeah. it has to be a networking event. You gotta bring <laughs> business cards and get dressed up. But in actuality, you're always networking. And so I was out one night and the VP of A&R um, for Jive Records at the time, I had seen him a couple of times before then, like we were kind of cool and passing, I guess at this point. And he was just like, yo, I need you to style this artist. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't do hair. Like, 
And he said, no, like I need you to dress her. And I'm still kind of confused because I didn't know that this was a job. And he's like, listen, if you just dress her how you dress, we'll be good. Like just give her your swag. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. Like, that's easy for me. Like I just get up and put clothes on. And an hour later, the accounting department at Sony BMG was calling me and they're like, where are we wiring this budget to? Wow. We need uh, um, your tax ID number and this form and that form and send us a W-9. I've never heard of any of these things. I'm fresh out of college, didn't go to business school, had no aspirations of starting a business. Like I didn't know what this lady was talking about, but I've always been very quick on my feet and I adapt well. So rather than look confused and sound confused on the phone, I was smart enough to tell her I was in the middle of something <laughs> and then I call her back in an hour. So I got off the phone and literally every single thing I remembered her saying, I scribbled it on a piece of paper and I started Googling, what is a W-9? How do you get one? How do you get a business bank account? And within a period of seven days, I had started an entire business from having like my, of course, business bank account. I got my EIN number. I even went and got a PO box from the post office. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was not a game. Like yes. everything I thought you needed to have, I went and I got it. And I've been in business ever since. And I think that it just goes to show that Life isn't always going to take that course that you've planned for yourself. Um, plans change and you have to be okay with that. And rather than sit around and sulk and complain or freak out or woe is me or panic, embrace it and adapt to it. And that's just been the story of my career, honestly, from even the reason why my hair is blue, that wasn't intentional either. And it's been blue for 13 years now, but I just adapted to it. So I think it's really, really important just for people in general to be able to adapt and adjust. So how how would you say, looking back at whatever year that was when you got found, discovered, I guess. discovered right? <laughs> when you look back at that you, that day, what was it about you that you think really caught their eye because I'm sure that they've seen people who can dress before they've seen people you know who they bump into in the club what yeah. what do you think it was about you that said you know what this is the opportunity for her I think I've just always walked to the beat of my own drum and I've always just embraced my uniqueness I've never tried to conform to what seems normal or standard I mean, I can go back to college on exam day. Everyone would show up with sweatpants on, t-shirts, like they were tired from the night before. On exam days, I wore business suits. Yeah. I don't even know why I used to do it, but I'm like, oh, it's exam day? Like I'm talking about blazer, like I'm decked out, like I'm going to this important meeting on exam day. And I didn't care that everybody else in there was like dressed down and I looked crazy with, my suit on it was just me and me just being my authentic self I think is what really not only stood out to that person then but just stands out to people in general when they meet me you just said a phrase that like being your authentic self and there are so many people who 
don't know what business they want to start, but they know they want to start a business, right? Maybe they have a passion for something. How do you recommend people find what opportunities they're best suited for? For me, it starts with problems. Find a problem in the world and be the solution for it. And that's your business right there. If you want to take it a step further, find a problem that you have in this world and be the solution to that problem. Those are the businesses that I've seen do best and thrive are the ones that solve a problem. A lot of times people just wanna go into business because it's trendy, it's chic, it's like the cool thing now, like everybody wants to be their own boss. And it's really not for everybody if we're being completely honest. Like you have to really, really want it because the internet makes it seem just so glamorous and easy. And for me, I'm like being an entrepreneur is giving up 40 hours a week to now yeah, work 80 60 and 80, yeah. For maybe half the pay. <laughs> <laughs> facts, it's facts. So you gotta ask yourself like, is this something that I really want? Just saying, oh, I wanna have a business. That's really not enough. Find a problem that you want to be the solution to and start there. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me 
was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. So I was listening to an interview you did with Isaac Hayes and Brian Michael Cox, and you were he was asking you about starting being an entrepreneur. And you were saying, you know, make sure it's your passion, particularly about doing retail and clothing. But do I need to love clothes to be in fashion retail or do I need to love merchandising or business? And like, what do I need to love to be good at selling clothes? So it's funny um, to reference old interviews because it it just shows you how much your personal mindset has evolved. Um, I think that, so I used to think that in order for me to sell clothes, I had to really, really be passionate about it. Like I have to love clothes. But then I found myself being this fashion person who had fallen out of love with clothes. Mm. So it's like, how do you keep going when you almost have a disdain for this thing that you used to love so much. And so going through that phase of life, I had to realize that maybe that's not enough. Maybe there's something deeper because I needed to find that deeper thing in order to continue, in order to push through and say, okay, so you thought it was because you loved clothes, but now you don't love clothes. So what's up? What is it? Yeah. And so I had to ask myself, I'm like, okay, what matters to you right now? And I started thinking, I'm like, well, I love people. I love helping people. I've created this vehicle where people who do actively love clothing can now work and feed their families and their children and take care of their parents. So then I started asking myself, what well, is it that you love clothes or do you love helping people? Mm. So I think that like what drives you and your purpose is will change and evolve and multiply and you'll subtract some and add some. So I don't think it necessarily stays the same forever. I just think it's important for you to constantly ask yourself, what is it that's fueling you? So I love that you, you know, bring up the word purpose. When I look back at my life and my career, I've seen these moments where I didn't know why I was doing this particular job and that particular job and why am I experiencing this thing? But then when I look back, at my life. I, oh, I can connect the dots now. And I can see that this experience gave me the skills to do this thing. Right. And so when you, when you advise people, cause you're a coach also. So when you advise people who are trying to figure out their game of entrepreneurship, um, how much of it is about their personal life experiences that allow them to be successful ultimately? I think personal life experiences are vital because they're all little lessons in there. You just have to pay attention. Um, I've learned so much from a lot of my failures and nobody wants to fail and it sucks and it hurts. But I feel like when I look back, those are the moments that really made me a champion. Like even when you look at athletes, yeah, they're winning games on the court, but they had to win in practice before they could come out and perform. And I think that our life experiences 
really are just those moments for practice so that when we do show up to the court to play the game, we've been through it so many times that it's routine, that it's almost like this beautiful choreography of just perform now because you've been there, you've done that. So find value in all of your life experiences, the good ones, the bad ones, the tough ones, the challenging ones. I embrace them all. So in, fi- in trying to find value in your life experiences, most people think, well, nobody cares about that part of my life or this part of my life wouldn't mean anything to somebody else. So how, how do I know people want what I have or that my thing is or my life is interesting enough to create an O'Lori Swank bubble brand in order to sell the thing? I think that those moments that people don't think are valuable and important are the ones that keep us human and relatable. And the reason why my brand has done so well is because my following and my community, they relate to me. And in order for them to relate to me, I have to share with them these experiences that I don't think might be that important, but I know that they're going through them too. Like I'm on this crazy, insane weight loss journey right now. Like I I did a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you put up a quarter mil. Man, listen, <laughs> I knew that was the only way I was getting to that gym every day. And I knew that my goal was insane. Like it boiled down to me knowing me. I know in certain areas of my life, I'm super, super self-disciplined. And I also know that there's areas of my life that I fall off and I slack off. And so I've started, I've had to start putting myself in position where because I know my weaknesses, I'm battling against myself. I know, all right, you on go for the first four or five days, like you're gonna be consistent. But the second somebody calls you and asks you to get on a plane and you take that trip, you're not coming back for a year. Yeah. So what are you going to do to make sure that you're here? And I'm like, okay, what's valuable to you right now? What's a number that will make you say, oh, no, we can't, we can't do that. We can't can't take an L on that. And I said, you know what, if you, I had to tell myself, how bad do you want it? If you want it this bad, are you willing to do what it takes to get it? Because if you're not, then shut up about it. Like I'll complain to my friends like, oh, I'm getting so much weight, my clothes don't fit. But it's like, you could change it. Do you really want to change it? And when I made that commitment to myself, I said, I'm going to do it. But then I had to make a deeper commitment because I know motivation don't last long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Motivation is real sexy the first couple of days, but you need that self-discipline to kick in. You need something else. And so I, I bet on myself. And I do that a lot. I have to put myself in position where losing is not an option. It's like we we only gotta win. So what you gonna do? When you're starting a business, you're often leaving the security of a paycheck on Friday and benefits to be your own boss. But what comes with this is a new responsibility to yourself to show up every day, even when you may not feel like it. Entrepreneurship is 24-7, 365. I asked O'Lori about how entrepreneurs can best put themselves in a position to be prepared for the grind and committed to the journey, or to be real with themselves and admit that they may not be ready for this. O'Lori speaks on it. This question is always so tough for me because I don't think there's one way to skin a cat. 
I feel like the answer is different for everybody. But I know for me, I'm one of those where I perform best under pressure. Like when my back is against the wall, it's a different level of click in my mind that yeah. happens where I get these blinders and I just black out and I just <laughs> go to work. And I'm not finished until I'm done. And I mean, in the beginning of my career, right? When I first started styling and everything was cute and sexy and I had a client and I was doing these tours and things like that. When that one client that I had decided that they didn't want to sing anymore, I was now stuck with no clients and no experience. Like, yes, I had experience working with that client, but I don't know what happens next. What? How do you get clients? Like, yeah. there's so many things that I had to learn. And in that process of learning and failing, I got to the point where I was so broke. I had to move back into my parents' basement. Like my only responsibility, I want to say was paying like my cell phone bill, which was a hundred dollars a month. And I could barely afford that at the time. I mean, my parents were paying for food. Like I didn't have to do nothing but come up with this hundred dollars for my phone bill every month. And I was struggling to do that. And so I started like, selling my clothes out of my closet. I didn't even start doing that to generate the money, honestly. I was doing that just to get rid of stuff in my closet. But I got to a point where I had $300 left in my bank account and I was just ridiculously depressed. And I remember just being in the bed, the sun would go up and come down and I just would not move. It might've been like a whole 14 days. I just, it was a blur to me because I was that depressed and I was reading books. And I just remember, thinking to myself, I just got to get to California. I got to get to LA. Yeah. Why I needed to get to LA, I don't know. I think I had only been to LA once at that point in my life and it was only for a couple of days and I had barely saw anything. So I was just like, I got to go to LA. I got to go to LA. And I had one friend I knew that lived there and I hadn't talked to her in maybe a year. <laughs> and I called her and I said, hey, I'm depressed. I hate it here. Like, can I just, can I come sleep on your couch? I need to figure my life out. And she said, okay. And when she said, okay, I took half of that $300. I bought a one-way plane ticket on AirTran because it was $149 <laughs> from East Coast to West Coast. Yes. I said, I can, I can pay for this. I bought that plane ticket. I did not have a job. I did not have a plan. I did not have a client. I didn't even have a car at the time. I packed two suitcases and I got on that plane. And I didn't even tell anybody that I was doing this. I didn't tell my family until the night before I left, which ironically, I left on Black Friday. So I told them at Thanksgiving dinner. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to LA, y'all. And they were Announcement. like, keep in mind, they know I'm piss poor. So they're like, okay, you're moving to LA, cute, when? And I'm like, tomorrow. And they're like, yeah. Make it make sense. Like, yeah. what do you mean you're leaving tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow. And the reason why I didn't tell them was because I knew how ridiculous that was. Even thinking back on it right now today, like if somebody told me I'm moving across the country from Atlanta to Los Angeles with no money, no job, no plan, no clients, no car, I would tell you, you are nuts. You're an idiot. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I knew that my family would tell me that out of their own fear and their love for me. Because sometimes people's love will stifle you. 
based off of their fear. And so I just, I told them on Thanksgiving dinner, the next morning I left, I took the 8 a.m. flight. They didn't even have 24 hours to talk me out of it. I was gone. And when I landed in LA, I remember thinking to myself, all right, you gotta make it work because you can't even afford to go back home. And I figured it out. And so every time in my life that I've needed to move on to a next level or I've needed to strive or aspire to something higher, I've had to mentally take myself to a place where it's like, oh, you thought you had a choice? <laughs> like, it ain't no choice. Like, you have to do this. And it's gotten easier for me to do it without having to physically do something. But when I was trying to learn how to train that muscle, I would have to put myself in predicaments where it was like, oh, you had to figure it out. Like, I remember being in LA and not having a car. And I'm like, or before the car, I remember deciding I didn't want to sleep on that couch no more. Like yeah. her apartment was the size of, I mean, a closet. And it was two of us and her dog and then her <laughs> boyfriend. And I'm just like, I gotta get, I like this, I can't be here. So I went and I signed a lease somewhere knowing I'm like, well, how am I gonna make the money? <laughs> but, and LA rent was not cheap. Yeah, facts. It was, it's not cheap at all. And so I'm like, girl, like, how you gonna make the money? But I did it. And then when I started getting comfortable with that, I'm like, well, you don't have a car. So I went, and I financed a car. And I'm like, you can't afford this damn car. <laughs> but I did it. And so I I used those little small moments to realize that I can really achieve whatever I tell myself I have to achieve. And so now I just tell myself like, oh, there is no other option. Like you have no choice, you have to do it. And I think that if you can tap into that side of yourself where you don't give yourself an out, you'll be surprised at what you can achieve. A lot of us give ourselves outs. Like, yeah, yeah. well, I want to lose this much weight, but if I don't, it's like, well, why do you need the rest of the sentence? Like, just go after what you want and don't settle and tell yourself that you can do it and you will because whatever you believe in your mind is what's going to happen. If you think you can do it, you're going to do it. If you think you can't, you're also right. So let's give them some strategy behind that. Cause I, I've heard you talk about goals before and breaking it down in one of your online courses. And what does a strong goal look like? And what mistakes are people making with their goals that causes them not to achieve them? I love that question. Cause I have an amazing answer. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Okay. So as far as goals, I used to tell people, make sure you set realistic goals because you don't want to discourage yourself. My mentality on that has changed completely. I need for you to set the most ridiculous, astronomical, damn how I'm going to get it done goal because a lot of us aim for under our true potential. So now if let's say my goal is I want to make a thousand dollars this week. I'm a 10 exit every time. I'm like, you know what? Nah, I want to make 10,000 this week. And then I sit there and I come up with a plan on how I can try to make 10,000 as crazy as the number sounds, because I know realistically for me, for one already sounded like, okay, this is, you know, but to 10 exit. So I come up with the plan for that. And worst case scenario, when you 10 X your goals is you might achieve double 
of what you yeah, thought. That's right. Like if I'm aiming for 10, I might mess around and only make two. But am I going to consider myself a failure? No, no you started with one. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, but then you also surprise yourself because you're like, wow, I really was aiming low. So start off with take your goal, whatever that goal was, 10 exit. If you wanted to achieve something in 10 months, try to do it in one. Then write down everything that you need to do to accomplish that goal and then relist it in order of priority. So start with like the highest level priority item and work your way down. And I th those lists eventually turn into my to-do list. So if I set a list for, or if I set a goal for the year, I'll break it down into like, okay, what do I need to do each month? And then I'll take the monthly and break it down to what do I need to do each week? And then that turns into my to-do list. And then the to-do list is what gets prioritized in the list of highest priority stuff at the top and then the low priority stuff at the bottom. And if I don't finish the things on the bottom of that to-do list for that day, it just rolls over to the next day until it gets done. But that's pretty much how I break down my goals. And I just, I need to be able to see all the tasks and just knock them out and do it one step at a time. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Yeah, You've heard these stories of people, I'm sure, who have 
tens of thousands and hundreds and thousands of people who follow them on social media and then they go put up some merch and nobody buys it. Right. And you have, you know, like quarter million, 300,000 something followers. How did you know people would buy what you put online? I let them tell me. That's the difference I think between me and like some other people is people just create things and they see, oh, I wonder if I don't make nothing that my following doesn't ask me for. So if I'm wearing a dress and they're like, we love your dress, drop the dress info. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they want dresses. If I'm posting my nails and they're like, oh, it's the rings for me. And I'm like, oh, I guess they want rings. If I'm randomly cooking on Snapchat because I just enjoy cooking and they're like, where's the recipe, sis? I'm like, oh, subscription service. Like I create what my people want. And when you do it that way, you're satisfying a demand versus trying to find people to buy your supply. That's my hack. I'm not making nothing that people don't ask me for. <laughs> like, I love that. I love it. So for the people who don't have the tens of thousands, but maybe they have dedicated a couple thousand or a few hundred, like how, what is required to build a strong brand enough to be able to sell things? So how can they grow that? If, if it's growing the brand, I don't, you tell me. You have to create a relationship with your community. That's what's lacking for those people who have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers and they can't move product. It's because they're not connecting with their community. They're not creating conversations. My followers, if when they see me in real life, it's like we're already friends. I don't know them in real life, never seen them before, but they know everything about me. And it's like a conversation and it's because I create those relationships with them. I talk to them. I ask them questions. I get their feedback. And so it builds this relationship where they don't feel like they're shopping with a popular stranger. They feel like they're supporting one of their friends. And as far as like the numbers go, I would hope that we're to the point now where people kind of are understanding that those numbers don't matter. It's the engagement and the value of the following. So I tell everybody, find your 1000 true fans. It was an article that I read, oh, who wrote it? I can't remember. But if you just Google 1000 true fans, you can um, read the article. But if you're able to cultivate a thousand true fans, a thousand people who will support you, you know, promote you and those sorts of things, you'll be fine because they will help build your audience and your platform. You just have to work on creating that sense of community and actually having a relationship with your fan base versus just being this person that they can't connect with. You're a coach and how important has coaching been to your success as an entrepreneur and as a brand? Um, coaching took me to different levels. When I started hiring coaches and paying for coaching, it's almost like, you know how they say there's no shortcuts? Yeah. Coaching, that's the shortcut. Because <laughs> yeah. you have somebody who's been there before, who's done it and already made their mistakes, and they're willing to tell you the answers so that you don't have to make those same mistakes. 
Like life ain't long enough for all of us to make enough mistakes to learn all the lessons. So sometimes you got to learn from other people's. And that's why I really, I believe in coaching because it's, it's a shortcut for me. I've learned things that if I would have had to have learned on my own, it would have taken me longer. I might, it might've taken me many more times of failing just to get the right answer versus talking to someone. And it's like, oh, well, I tried this 10 times. These seven didn't work, but these three did. So now I have three that I can go try versus having to do all of the 10. So coaching is, it's always a yes for me. I was talking to um, Ronnie Brown on another episode about this thing. And you, cause you said what she said, it's like about paying for coaching. And so many of us have this mentality, like coach, like a mentor should be free. Like, what do you say to that? When they pay, they pay attention. And that includes me because there's times I'll get free information and free nuggets. I'm not going to act on it as fast as I would if I paid $10,000 for the information and needed to recoup my investment. So I think that paying, it's sad that people think, and I, I don't even want to blame people because there are some unethical coaches. There are some people who are just, you know, trying to take people's money, but when you are paying a coach, you're not funding and financing their lifestyle. Like they've already, if they're really the coach that you want to be talking to in the first place, they're making their money regardless. Yeah. You're investing into yourself. You're paying someone to basically give you information that you now need to turn into something for yourself. So like I said, if you pay, you pay attention. You just have to shift your mindset. When I pay a coach, I paid a coach 15 grand one time. I'm like, all right, I need 30 back. Yeah. And it's not his responsibility to make me the 30. It's my responsibility to take the tools that he's given me and convert it into 30 and 60 and 150 and keep building on it. So I'm all for investing into yourself. What What does a good coaching relationship look like? I think that it depends on the cycle of life that you're in and what it is that you're looking for. So, I mean, I have an e-commerce fashion brand, for example. So if I was looking to figure out how to scale my fashion brand, then a good coach to me looks like somebody who's already done what I'm looking to do in that space. But let's say I'm still an e-commerce fashion brand owner, but I really just need help with diversifying my portfolio, or I need help with, um, you know, accountability and things like that. The coach that I'm going to look to for something like that is going to be different. So I think it really just boils down to where you're at and what it is that you're trying to accomplish for your next level. And it's okay to have multiple coaches too if you're trying to accomplish multiple things in different areas. There was um, another point in that interview I was listening to on uh, with Isaac and uh, B. Cox was, this was back in 2017, I think it was, that, that interview. And they were asking you about your plans for 2018. And you were like, I'm already in 2019, 2020, right? Um, how important is this moment, this in the middle of pandemic COVID era um, where every business is upside down trying to figure out new models? How important is this moment? Because there's so much disruption, disruption with the the infrastructure and the 
previous players who were the gatekeepers, you know, the big enterprise, the big box stores and et cetera, the big retailers. What is this moment? How important is this moment to you? And what do you say to other people who are trying to build brands in this day to take advantage? How, how can they take advantage of it? This is going to sound terrible, but this is the most beautiful time for anybody to start anything because there's no rules. Like this, a lot of the businesses that have been disruptive businesses that have changed industries, Netflix, Uber, they were all started in like recessions. Yeah. And when I hear that, it excites me because I'm like, oh, it's our turn. (laughs) 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 Oh, we can be that next. And because there's no rules, like I always say that like ingenuity comes from inexperience. If you don't know how to do something, you're not going to do it like everybody else. You're going to do it the way you want to do it, the way that you think to do it. And so some of the most beautiful ideas are born from people just not knowing how it's supposed to be done. And because we're in a time right now where nobody knows nothing about nothing, like everything is all over the place, this is the best time for you to try to do something the way that you want to do it because there's no rules. There's no one that's gonna stop you and say, ah, 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 that's not how we do it. Because the people who normally would, are now looking at the way that they've been doing it and they're like, it's not working. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't have no room to tell you that your way isn't gonna work. So just go for it. Like entrepreneurship is jumping out the window and building your wings on the way down. Just jump, go for it. Like I'm all for it in this season. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afro Tech and is produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearbor. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan, you know, like the wine. Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. 
got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.